wrestling now. <laughs> well, good morning. <laughs> They're perfectionists, aren't they? <laughs> no, 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 I'm quite happy with this. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> okay, well this morning <coughs> and throughout the day we're going to be continuing with Vedana. Um, a very important aspect of the Satipatthana. And as you will have noticed with Vedana, we also haven't really moved that far away from the body at all. We're still there. The body is the locus of all experience. Vedana is the locus of experience. Even when we're talking about mental Vedana, we're really talking about it located in this body-mind continuum um, that we have. And so Vedana is a central focus. Vedana is so, so important in this. In fact, I was just saying um, before we came in here that we could actually have a whole evening's Dhamma talk just on Vedana itself and extend it over at least two evenings. Uh, it's such an important facet. Vedana is constantly with us. It's the constant taste of our experience. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite humbling in many ways that uh, actually the constant taste of our experience, we have this stuff in the text, and I'll read you a little bit of the text in a second, that says it's pleasant, it's unpleasant, and it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. These are the three Vedanas that we, we get. Actually, let's just boil it down to common English. I like it, I dislike it, and I couldn't care less. Yeah, it's quite humbling. That's the whole range of our experience. <laughs> we can get all elevated about this but that's actually what it boils down to and these are constantly coming and going Um, one of the themes has already been we explored it a little bit in the question last night you know that Vedana is not under our control you know we don't choose it we don't choose the Vedanas. It doesn't mean they're without causes. It doesn't mean it's without conditions. I think it's important to remember that. Some of those conditions will be basically uh, social, you know, social historical conditions that have conditioned us in particular ways, our own individual histories. Um, but the point is, when we have a certain Vedana as the taste of our experience, then it is coming automatically. And if I kind of mention a couple of things, I think you see the the automaticity of this in the sense of, can you imagine that running of nails down a blackboard? Yeah, I can see something just going like that. Just even think about it. Or here's another one. Um, The thin skin on milk that's just cooling. (laughs) That had some of you going as well, didn't it? it? That is the Vedana in response to two of those. And equally, when we see something pleasing, when there's something nice, when we put our hands into something soft and beautiful and you know, pleasing to the touch, the Vedana is automatically there. We don't choose it. And some of the stuff, as Akinshano mentioned in response to the question last night, is also hardwired. You know, if I put my hand on a hot plate 
um, pretty well, uh, you know, if I'm wired normally, I'm going to experience this as unpleasant Vedana. So the Vedana is coming automatically. It's coming all the time. This does not mean it is not conditioned, but it means it is there as the taste of our experience, right there, almost right up front. And this leads us into two dimensions. Firstly, is you know, to contrast it, because unfortunately, um, the word, which is actually an accurate translation of Vedana into English, becomes feeling. But please don't get emotional on me, because it has very little to do with emotion. Emotions might be built on Vedanas, yeah, but it is not primarily emotion. That's the unfortunate thing about the word in English. The word feeling has a degree of ambiguity in it, uh, where it can go from something like sensation to also um, emotions, and very strong emotions at that. The word Vedana in Pali does not have those connotations at all. I've automatically mentioned, even just in that description here, in the English word, that sometimes it can also mean sensation. Vedana, let's get this clear, is also not sensation. Yeah. So what is Vedana? Okay, I'll come back to my almost original definition. It is the pure taste of experience. As pleasant, unpleasant, or, let's use the technical term, and I gloss it then again, as neither pleasant nor unpleasant. It is that liking, disliking, and indifference. And I think this is the way we have to see um, the so-called neutral. I would like to actually, it's a category I'd like to banish. It's not really neutral at all. It's actually just indifference. It doesn't even come under my purview. It doesn't under, come under, even under my sight um, at all. So there is the pleasant and the unpleasant, obviously, because they are strong tones in our lives that automatically are there for us. And then there, in a sense, is that which we are indifferent to. And so, Vedana itself is that pure taste of experience. The term that was used yesterday when, when Kinshino introduced this was hedonic tone. The feeling of pleasure and pain. Yeah? Going back to this Greek word. So it's that pure feeling of pleasure and pain in relationship to all of our experience. Now, one of the suttas in the Anguttara Nikaya, in the uh, numerical discourses, says all mental states, I'm going to underline the all here, all mental states flow along with feeling, flow along with Vedana. All experience comes to us with Vedana. It's not as if Vedana is optional. Yeah, all of our experience is toned by Vedana. Now, if you think about that, then a lot will follow from Vedana. And these Vedanas are coming and going and coming and going and they're coming and going all day long. There is not one experience in your day that is not toned in this way, that, it, that, you don't, that doesn't have a flavor you know, of pleasant, unpleasant, and neither, and that actually we're not choosing to do that. In the practice, when we come to the practice, one of the things I think is really worth pointing out is let's not confuse Vedana with thinking about whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. Yeah? 
I think Akinchino mentioned when he was introducing the, um, you know, the direct instructions for what we were going to do in the day, you know, if you get to something and you're going, oh, is that pleasant or is it unpleasant, you know, now you're thinking about Vedana, this is not Vedana. Yeah. The Vedana will strike you automatically. It impinges itself on your perceptual process. The Vedana is actually a way that we see the world through. Yeah. Again, I think that's slightly humbling if you think about it. We're seeing the world through this pleasantness, unpleasantness, indifference. We see this reflected actually, don't we, in the categories even of the metta practice that we're doing. Those that are close to us, those that we like, those that we dislike, and those that we're in a sense not just neutral towards, again because we have this category called so-called the neutral, but those that we're indifferent. It's actually the feeling tone that goes with our perception of people. Yeah. There is a perceptual process going on there. So there is a different dimensions to Vedana. And the one dimension that often gets missed out is that knowing process. You know, in Pali, the word Vedana is actually related to cognate terms, which to, means to know, to experience, to learn. You know, it has all of these connotations to it, and so it has a cognitive dimension to it. You know, so when we talk about Vedana, it's actually our way of knowing the world. Yeah? This is why it's so important. It's the kind of fundamental underpinning for that process of knowing our world on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. As you sit here right now, you're having a load of Vedanas, um, which are actually informing the way that you... Um, actually feel, and I'm using that in an English sense, not in um, a Pali technical sense, you know, how you feel. It's actually affecting your moods as well. You know, a lot of unpleasant experience will create certain moodedness as well. And they're coming and going. The Buddha makes this very, very clear. I just want to read you. There's a lovely sutta, um, which is called the Guest House, which comes out of the Connected Discourses. And uh, the Buddha just wants to make it clear that these are go- coming and going all day long. He says, we are like a guest house. Because suppose there is a guest house. People come from the east, the west, and the north, and the south, and they lodge there. And he's going to now list out the four classes of Indian society at the period. Katiyas, Brahmins, Visas, and Sudhas come and lodge there. These are the four castes of Indian society. So too, because various feelings arise in this body... Pleasant feelings arise, painful feelings arise, neither painful nor pleasant feelings arise. Carnal pleasant feelings arise, carnal painful feelings arise, carnal neither pleasant nor painful feelings arise. Spiritual pleasant feelings arise, spiritual painful feelings arise, spiritual neither pleasant nor feelings arise, because we are a guest house. (laughs) They're coming and going constantly. There's a constant stream of visitors in your day. And this is what the Buddha is making very, very clear to us. So, first of all, Vedana is not emotion. However, emotions do get built on the Vedana. In its most primitive form, Vedana can just be something, or the emotion could be just something like a more complex way of saying, I don't like. Yeah? We've got something called language, which we don't usually have as children. Um, we learn it, we gradually move away from the pure sense of, you know, when I gave you the image of somebody drawing their nails down a, a, a blackboard, 
that shudder that goes through, that thought, that unpleasantness that goes with that even image, let alone the actual actuality of it, um, we become, you know, as we get older, we become more sophisticated as we start to inhabit language and we express an emotion. The emotion is simply, I don't like it. It's almost equivalent to a child stamping its feet. Yeah, it's just become a little bit more distant. So it's quite primitive in many senses. Now, emotion in a Buddhist sense is actually a compound of a Vedana coming together with certain patterns. And those patterns are technically known as Sankharas. Again, both Vedana and Sankharas are two of the aspects or dimension of the five dimensions of our experience, which we call Khandas, along with the experience of form, body, you know, being in this world embodied, corporeal. And so it's not an emotion, but emotions get built on it. But more importantly, whole patterns of reactivity also get built on Vedana. It's absolutely fundamental to the perceptual process. As I said, it's a way of seeing the world, and this is um, one dimension of the perceptual process that's laid out in the Sutta in the Majjhima Nikaya, which is known as the Madhupindaka Sutta, and the Buddha speaks about it in this particular way. He says, you know, there is sense consciousness, there is sense impression, then there is feeling, then there is Vedana. I'm not going to use the technical terms for these. Then there is perception, and then there is thinking about and then there is mental proliferation. Okay, papancha, lovely, lovely word in, in Pali. Um, there is papancha. He goes on to say, and from that papancha, this is what shapes the direction of your mind and shapes the direction of your life. Interestingly, in that stream, that, that stream of process, that cognitive process that we're obviously all engaged in all of the time. We are having sense impressions coming to us all the time. You know, we are sensory beings, we're embodied beings. I mean, this is what the first part of the retreat was about, actually starting to embrace that sense of embodiment here. So sense impressions are coming through our sense consciousnesses, continuously engaged with objects in the world. If we left it there, this would be a completely almost impersonal process. Yeah. However, we go into Vedana, which is also an impersonal process. Notice that. There is not me choosing whether I like or dislike something. It's coming to us automatically. So this is an impersonal process. And so when we are watching Vedana, this is really quite important. Um, the Buddha has this, this particular formula that runs through the Satipatthana to see something as something, to see Vedana as Vedana, to see body as body, to do the two, you know, to actually use the formula in the two sections we've looked at so far, or just alluded to so far. What does that mean, to see body as body, to see feeling as feeling, is to realize the impersonality of this. In other words, the very simple rubric here is don't take it personally. Yeah. Unfortunately, we take so much of our experience extremely personally when we don't have to. Yeah. With personally comes seriousness, comes a kind of a clinging to what is going on. 
And so feeling is coming to us and it's coming to us and is an impersonal process. So sense consciousness, sensory impressions, the Vedana arises with those sensory impressions, both physical and mental, is impersonal. Thereafter, it starts getting very personal. Yeah? The moment we have a perception, perception includes some sense of I, me, perceiving. It's certainly there in the thinking. I am thinking about this. It's there in the papancha. And this is why it shapes our lives. So out of these simple building blocks, out of the sensory engagement with the world, out of the feeling tones which come to us automatically, as I say, conditioned, caused, but they're coming to us automatically without choice, we build a very personal world. That is the shaping of our mind and that is the shaping of our life. Specifically, I'm just going to mention this just to finish off, specifically in the chain of dependent origination, we have feeling and the next chain, the next link in the chain is craving and the next link after that is grasping. If you like, those two links that follow that simple perception of the world in that taste and that tone of pleasant, unpleasant and neither, followed by craving and grasping, we are actually creating entrapment out of a process. Yeah. We are actually actively fueling that, but I won't go into that at this moment. So out of that simple process of you know, the cognitive process, which ends in feeling, we are starting to build a world of entrapment. I hope just in that brief description you can see now the importance of Veda and this seeming just observation, and this is all you're being asked to do, this simple observation at this moment in time in this particular part of the retreat of just watching the Vedana tones come up, identifying them as pleasant, unpleasant. We're beginning to map our world of experience, again, quite simply. Because actually the next part is the interesting part is what comes next. When I experience unpleasant Vedana, feel that temptation to wish to move, to shuffle around. When I experience pleasant Vedana, feel that temptation to wish to prolong it in some way. Yeah. Okay, let us practice. So settling once again. The instructions in a way are no different from yesterday. We're going to be mapping this world of our experience, this topography, this landscape of experience. But here we're mapping it in terms of our Vedanas. The tone of indifference is actually one we won't notice. We only notice it by inference, the absence of the other two tones. The Buddha often likens this to a tracker who sees the tracks of a lion. He doesn't actually see the lion, he just sees the tracks. And that's what we see in relationship to this so-called neutral or indifferent Vedana tone. But the most obvious are the 
tones of pleasantness and unpleasantness, the pleasant and the painful. So settling ourselves into our posture, bringing ourselves as we usually do, and we've done throughout the retreat so far, to the experience the somatic sensations around our breathing, perhaps the sense of the whole body breathing, or where we experience the breath most vividly. But remember, it's the, the sensations. We're not following the breath. We're watching the sensations associated with the physical act of breathing. Of course, as usual, as you well know by now, the mind will want to go walk about. It will want to go off and play. It will be looking for other things which are more interesting than just simply sitting watching the sensations of breathing. And we'll find ourselves sometimes voluntarily, volitionally searching for something. Our minds looking for something more interesting. Another time simply pulled out almost involuntarily. Wherever your mind has gone, be it to sounds or physical sensations, and you find that your mind is no longer with that coming and going of the breath in terms of its sensate qualities. then notice the tone that 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 has. Is it pleasant or unpleasant? Pleasurable or painful? Equally, when we're pulled into an image, a thought process, and we are aware that we've been thinking or caught in images, emotions perhaps, once again, we can look and notice whether that's pleasant or unpleasant. This is all you're being asked to do at this stage, just begin to map your day in terms of pleasantness and unpleasantness. Sometimes you might want to just notice the desire to prolong or the desire to push away when you discover pleasantness and unpleasantness, but don't make it a huge project. 